please give a, a, a high five to your neighbors on the left and on the right for me. <laughs> so good to be, uh, to be here this morning. Sorry I was not with you last Sunday. I was somewhere in Beaverton, Washington. A group of men were gathered there seeking the face of the Lord. Somewhere in the woods, no signal, no internet, for three days, praying and devouring the Word of God. So they invited me to go and spend time with those men. Oh, I can't tell you all of it. We had a great time. How's that? <laughs> yes. God is good. Um, <laughs> I wish I could do that. Oh, I missed that. Praise God. That's good. That's really good. Oh, we got to wear those armors in the spirit. Uh, so this is my, uh, my last Sunday to be officially your interim pastor. But it's not, my, not the end of my fellowship with you and this body. Amen? We're so glad that God is bringing here a new pastor to uh, lead us to where God wants us to go. That's important. We, we are truly thankful that God, is, uh, God has sent him and his family to be here. He has answered the call to come here. Amen? And so we are going to receive him and his family next Sunday. Unfortunately, I will not be here again. I'm always moving. But I will make it a point to come back here and meet him. And uh, spend some time, amen, um, and share with him a few things that God has been putting on my heart about this church, amen. What are we going to do? We are going to embrace him and his family and love them. What else are we going to do? We are going to support him. Amen. Like you've been supporting me here. We're going to pray for him like you've been praying for me here. What else are we going to, 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 to do? We are going to make our contributions. And that's my sermon this morning. Amen. Each one of us has something to contribute to the body. Positive contribution. Shall we pray for the word? Lord, I thank you for making all these things happen. And for choosing to work with us and through us in our time. Thank you for the privilege to walk with you, Lord. To have a taste of the glory that shall be revealed. 
to receive your word of mercy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that purges us, that gives us support that we need to live our lives fruitfully in this, in this world. And bless us, Lord, this morning as we share your word. Pray that you will, and you alone, will speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the Lord uses you, he prepares you. He calls you, and then he prepares you. And that preparation takes a lifetime. <laughs> Praise God. But God prepares us for good works. And that is important because when we are called, we look at ourselves. We look at our, at our inadequacies. We look at our weaknesses. We look at our failures. And then we draw the line. We make a judgment. Say, nah, not me. Lord, send someone else. <laughs> send someone else. Not me. Why? Because I'm not ready. And God says, no, you got it all wrong. <laughs> You're not going to do this work. <laughs> I'm going to do this work through you, but I'll prepare you first. You just have to believe me and take a step of faith and say, yes, Lord. Who will go for us, Isaiah cried out. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about the children of Israel in suppression in Egypt. And God called Moses to go and deliver them. And God started his work in Moses, putting him that, that, that burning fire, you know, that love for his people who were suffering. And then one day he finds an Egyptian fighting with an Israelite. And he goes in with that anger, say, what are you doing this for? And then he, he let his anger took over him, <laughs> and he killed somebody. And, but that was God beginning to work in him. And then God says, okay, time for the preparation to begin. Whoops, to the Midianites, in the deserts, where he was prepared for 40 years. Amen. So by the time God was meeting him, he was, the ground was level. But he was like, are you sending me back there? I just, I just ran for my life from that place. And God says, yeah. Sending you back there. You know, there's some work to be done there. You left. You were trying to solve it in your own might. But now I'm sending you in my might. That you may finish what you started. And the whole journey turned out to be preparation for Moses. Amen? Preparation for him. We know of him as the most humble and ever lived. Amen. So, 
We must be prepared for good work. I want us to take our first reading in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. If you're there, say amen, say amen. amen. <laughs> I want everybody to get there first. But I have a copy up there if you don't, if you don't have a Bible. Mark 2, 18, from 18. If you were there, you were there, say amen. amen. If you're happy and you know, say amen. amen. If you're happy and you know, and you really want to show, if you're happy and you know, say amen. amen. <laughs> All right, let's go. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, No wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom. Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away and then, um, I mean, taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new clothes? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear from before. Verse 22, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. Other version says destroyed. New wine calls for new wineskins. Say amen. The Pharisees especially the Pharisees, because he has mentioned the disciples of John as well. They fasted regularly. They did not forget. They fasted. But they did all that as a ritual and as a religious practice. You do it to justify yourself in the open, in the, in the outward appearance of things. But they really, really, really never give their hearts to God. But they practice it faithfully. And Jesus came at such a time when people were very zealous and religious. Jesus comes with a strange message. What is he talking about? He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. And John is saying, repent. And he caused John his head. People did not want to change their ways. 
Oh, we can do this religious thing. You know, we also go to church. What else are you talking about? Jesus is bringing a revolution. <laughs> He's coming to disturb the human system, religious systems. In other words, he was telling them, you're doing it all wrong. And as you do that, you're causing more damage. How can you patch an old cloth with a new piece of cloth? You're trying to fix things all right. But it's a problem. Some things must be gotten rid of first. We got to start over. We got to start over. But you know, things like fasting, it is a spiritual thing. You agree with me on that? It is a spiritual thing. But I know the people would do it um, uh, when they, they don't really understand, but. Um, it is a thing, uh, an exercise that is motivated. And it has a spiritual motiva motivation. I know of witch doctors who fast to connect with the spirits to be strengthened. And, and fasting has a, a spiritual significance. Yes, it does. But Jesus was saying, when you fast, you weaken your carnal nature, your flesh. You are denying your flesh its cravings. But you are dealing with your heart. You're purging your hearts. But that's not, not what the, the, the Pharisees did. That's not what they did. They were not willing to change or have their hearts be purged. Um, they were very committed religious people. But uh, there is a message, an important message here. The disciples of Jesus were on a different movement altogether and a mission. <laughs> I cannot imagine spending time with the Lord, with Jesus, spending time with God in the flesh. Can you imagine that? That you would be among the twelve to spend time with God in the flesh? What a privilege. So they were part of the foundation, the blueprint of God's redemption agenda. And here they were. No one understood them. Because God picked very unpopular individuals <laughs> to form the, two, the 12 pillars. Every crime criminal was represented there. <laughs> Amen. 
the Matthews, they were there. Peter was there. John was there. You know, fishermen and tax collectors. There's a significance to that. We're not going to that now. Theological significance. But here were a group of men beginning to launch the move of God in the New Testament. And Jesus says, the guests cannot fast when the groom is still around. One day the groom will go and they will fast. The disciples of Jesus were supposed to wait until Jesus is gone and the Holy Spirit comes. And then they would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to continue the work. See, and before you invite the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, Jesus was pointing to this second point. That you must receive forgiveness for your sins. You must prepare your heart. Before you receive the anointing of God, you must have your sins forgiven. Otherwise, it would be like putting new wine in an old wine skin, and they would all be destroyed. Like today, you know, somebody you now even willing to say, Lord, forgive me. They keep going back to the same sin, and then they run to God and say, God, anoint me. That is dangerous. That cannot happen. It's not even possible. But if it would happen, you would be dead. God cannot give his anointing. He cannot waste his anointing, <laughs> for lack of better words. We must receive forgiveness and a purging of our hearts. Then, that would be a precious thing of value. We'll talk about it a little, a little later. See, when you get drinking water, clean water, but you are being served with a filthy, dirty glass, would you drink that water? No. Would you give that water to someone special? No. Would you give that water to Jesus? No. But you know, we do that all the time. We give him praise. We sing to him sacrifices. We give sacrifices. And the Bible says, God, I don't, God says, I don't want to listen anymore. You're offering to me, what you're offering to me is not clean. It's not pleasant. It's not a sweet aroma. So I turn my ears away. I don't even want to look at it, so I turn my eyes away. See, this is what was happening at the time. Jesus comes and says, okay, Change of the rule. We cannot keep patching the old cloth that is tearing. <laughs> Religion 
was just patching the hearts of men. You know, if you can only go to the priest and confess, that's okay. If you can only bring some sacrifices, you know, gifts, that's okay. God will be happy. But you and I know that that don't work. The analogy in Scripture, as we've seen, is that the anointing of God uh, must come to a pure heart. Pure heart. That is when it can actually be effective in the work of ministry. Um, My heart really breaks because I know, and you agree with me, that today there are people who have misused the anointing. They've misused the church. They've misused the name of Jesus for their interest gains. I leave that to Jesus to sort it out in the end. But we must be aware that the people who have taken advantage of the anointing, of the name of Jesus, when they have an hidden agenda to pursue individual interests. Fasting is also a form of spiritual rebirth. When you fast, you undergo a spiritual transformation by drawing closer and closer, closer to God. Like I said, once your heart is ready, that's when you receive that new wine, that new one, that that anointing. (laughs) Amen. That anointing. And then you can overflow in the grace, in the mercy, in the sweetness of fellowship with God. You know, and your your joy is sustainable. <laughs> Amen. Your freedom is sustainable because it is plugged on a source. You know, if you have, if we we didn't have this power plugged to a source, you have these microphones and it's not plugged to the power source. It's gonna cut off. It's not sustainable. You know. One time you feel good, praising the Lord, joyful, you wake up really free. The next day, you wake up a different person. And I don't mean that in the sense that you should have no problems or challenges. But how do you feel about the Lord? How do you feel about the Lord? Are you going to stick with Him? Or are you going to reach a point and say, Lord, it's too tough. I think you're not going to help me. It is not sustainable. Your love is not sustaining. Your faith is not sustaining. And Jesus says, you are half-hearted. If you keep looking back while you put your hands on the plow and you keep looking back, you're not worthy of the call. But we must say, like, 
Peter and the disciples say, Lord, we have nowhere else to go. We have come and we will stay because we have nowhere else to go. I don't have nowhere to go because Jesus gave me meaning and hope and life. And he has done all kinds of miracles. And I don't doubt him anymore. He's been with me through all. So when I come to a point and there is a challenge, I say, even you will be behind. <laughs> Amen. Even you, even this mountain will be behind. Even this sickness will be behind. Even in this trial, this commotion, this confusion will be over. Because Jesus did it before, he can do it again for me. That is when we can say your faith is sustainable. <laughs> Amen. And then you can take it to the next level. And say things like this. If he does not get me out of it, I don't really care. Those three Hebrew boys. Remember them? We know he can deliver us from your fire, O Nebuchadnezzar. But if he does not come and rescue us out of that fire, just know this one thing. We're not going to bow to your golden statue. I'm not going to be complacent and then give up my birthright and then fall into sin because that is a pressure. No, I know God can take me out of it. Praise the Lord. My God can take me out of it. <laughs> yes, he can. Because he's a faithful God. All I just have to keep doing is to love him. To love him and to trust him. Say, Lord, I don't understand why this happened, but I trust you. That is when your victory is delivered, right there and then. Having that in your mind, in your heart. Those who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. I don't understand why this happened, but I'm not going to curse you and die. I'm not going to complain or blame you. But let's look at it. Let's face it. Can I fight God? Can I fight his plans and succeed? Where am I going to go anyway? <laughs> Everywhere I turn to belong to him. The waters belong to him. The sky belongs to him. You want to move from Oregon? You're going to go where? San Diego. San Diego belongs to Jesus. Yeah, and you're going to still meet him there. 
I'm just going to leave this place. I'm going to go. Where are you going? <laughs> you know, that reminds me of something that will happen in the last days. People will want to kill themselves to run away from God. They will jump in the fire. The fire will say, no, we're not going to burn you. <laughs> you go back and face. <laughs> go, and, go back. They jump in the water. The water will not do nothing. You cannot run away from the judgment of God. We, cannot. we must trust him. And when we do, it pleases him. It pleases him. Then he will say, this is my child. This is my child. I will help you. I'll take you through it. He did it to me. I was lying there. Everyone thought I was going to die. And I turned to God and said, God, I'm still breathing. And I don't understand why this happened. But I know you do. And I trust you to take me through it, Lord. And I felt the peace of God. The Bible says it surpasses human understanding. The peace fell on my heart. And I just started praising God. Throughout my days in the hospital, I was praising God. People come and then they just stand there watching. They don't understand like what is happening with him. He's just singing. I was singing all the time. You know, people expect you to be crying, to be complaining like most people do. They hit a little, just a small pothole on the road. Then they're complaining about it everywhere. Every day. But you should come to that point and you say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This is just a pothole. That's not what def defines me. My God has some things in store for me. No here has had, no eye has seen it, no mind can imagine what that is that God has for me in store. God has something for me in the store. Devil, I want you to know that God has some good plans for me. <laughs> Praise God. That makes me excited. Because then I know that my life tomorrow is going to be better than today. Because he will help me. See, it does not matter. When God calls you, he prepares you. It doesn't matter what you have done in the past. That's the last part of my sermon. It does not matter. 
your gifts. God has given gifts to men. We all have different gifts and abilities. So it does not matter which one you have. Or even your level of faith. Or your background. Or the color of your skin. Does not matter. Because when God chooses to pick a man to prepare them and to use them, no one can stop it. If only you're willing to separate yourself for God and be purged by the blood of Jesus, God can use you. If you be willing to separate yourself from the world, to separate yourself from that practice of sinful practice, to separate yourself from the crowd, that big crowd of complaining people, to separate yourself and begin to seek the face of God, God can use you, regardless of your age. I should bring that in there, too, because I know some old folks, they all, you know, these things not the way they used to be anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Abraham was older than you, my friend. <laughs> Amen. Oh, they all I made a lot of mistakes. You're not as sinful as Saul who became Paul. <laughs> Amen. Plus so many others whom God just picked them and piped them and, and used them for his glory. Second Timothy verse two. 16 to 21, that's our last reading. If you're there and you know, say amen. amen. Really, really there, say amen. amen. Ready now to read. Ready now to read. If you're there and you know, say amen. But avoid all irrelevant babble and godless chatter with its profane, empty words. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. For it will lead to further ungodliness. Verse 17. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. So, it is with Hymenus and Philetus, those two guys... Their names are difficult. Who have deviated from the truth. They claim that the resurrection has already taken place. And they undermine the faith of some. Who have deviated uh, from the truth. Am I reading again? Okay, let's uh, 19 rather. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God, which he has laid, stands Sure, unshaken despite attacks, bearing this seal, 
The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord stand apart from wickedness and withdraw from wrongdoing. Verse 20. Now, in a large house, there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware, and some are for honorable, uh, that is noble, good use, and some for dishonorable, or rather ignoble, or common, common use. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, which are dishonorable and disobedient or sinful, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. I love that scripture. Because it also gives me hope that even me, I can be used by God. It tells me that God has not just picked a few special people. Like some people claim that the only people who go to heaven are the 144. <laughs> the rest of us are going to stay here. I don't believe that. God is a respect of no person. But God will honor those who honor him. He will honor you. And he will sing praises about you. <laughs> Can you imagine God testifying about you? Or bragging about you? Yeah. Well, he told the devil once, say, hey, uh, uh, did you see Job? <laughs> did you consider him? He's my man. <laughs> He's a righteous man. Yeah. A righteous man. And the devil said, no, 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 no. You made him righteous. <laughs> if you only took all the fences and the structures you built around him, He's going to cast you to your face. <laughs> and, but, you know, when God says something, he knows. You know, who was right there, God or the devil? Yeah, of course, God. <laughs> and he said, you want to try me? Or you want to try him? Here you go. Go, go and remove those things. You think, think I am just bragging here for nothing. So the devil goes and then you know, causes chaos like he does to all of us from time to time. <laughs> Comes and then he causes chaos. It takes away your loved one or you, you, you lose your job. Those are things that are important to us to leave, okay? So the devil comes and then he touches those things. But he could not touch job, as you all know in that story. And he gave up. And everything that he touched with his bird intention, 
of moving job and and discouraging job and destroying his faith it failed his intention failed but whatever he touched and destroyed god brought them back god brought them back i don't know who i'm talking to here today you know along this journey you have lost some things the devil's touched and removed some things but as you keep going I'm heading on to heaven, I'm on my way, I'm so glad. And you keep going. The devil is going to say, ah, she can't stop. <laughs> and then whatever it is that uh, you need for life, it will come and catch up with you. You know, they say, ah, we better go, we're needed. The money, the finances, they say, oops, we better go, we're needed over there. To support that person on the mission. You know. Those who fix their eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. As long as we fix our eyes on Jesus. The enemy will lose. Because all that he wants to do. Is to remove your eyes from Jesus and to put your eyes on the problem. The more you focus on the waves, on the problems, you begin to sink. Because fear is going to dawn on you. And then sooner the problem is going to seem bigger than God. And then you're going to begin to sing about the problem. You know, yeah, man, it's too bad. Yeah, the pain comes here, then it jumps over here, and then it takes it there, and then my head, oh, I tell you, it's too bad. <laughs> Last week it was here on my wrist, now it's on my neck. If for a second you just stop, stop focusing on the problem. And focus on what God says. Focus on the word. You begin to build faith in the inside of you. And then sooner your soul is redeemed from despair. And you begin to walk by faith and sing. Even when the pain is still there, you are singing. That is, that is a good step. <laughs> you know, the shackles may still be there like Paul and Silas, but they were still singing. In the middle of the night in the jail, just singing. I don't know which song. Maybe a song like, There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. <laughs> Amen. Chain to break every chain. Break. <laughs> and yes, as we all know, their chains broke, right? And the angels let them out. 
free man. See, miracles happen for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this testimony. A friend of mine, uh, about four months ago, called me. She was crying on the phone. She was crying, crying, crying. So Eddie, I'm from the doctor. And this is the third test. I have cancer. She's crying. She's crying. And I said, I'll call you back. Prayed. Called her on Skype. She was crying. She can stop crying. Her face all wet. And I cried with her, too. Yeah, right? And the Lord put a song on my heart. It's one of the songs I recorded, actually. And I, I said that song to her, If Only You Believe. All things are possible. If only you believe. He sees, God sees you through that story. He sees the tears. He sees some of the words in that song. And she kept singing that song and praying um, for months. She called me yesterday. And this time, <laughs> she's like, Hello there! I'm like, Wait a minute. It's the same person who is always calling me with tears. Say, yeah. How's it going, friend? It's like, it is a good day. <laughs> and then she tells me she went back for the test, and it turned out negative. Negative. You know, she did... Uh, the, the male, the female test. She, she was, uh, she had uh, uh, cervical cancer. And it's negative, and she is free. She is praising the Lord, and she she's talking like an insane person. Say, I don't know what I want to do for God. I just want to. I don't know whatever He tells me to do now. I'm going to do. I'm like, yeah, you should. You should have even. You know, don't wait for the miracle to happen. <laughs> just do whatever he tells you to do even when the problems are there see miracles happen every day because God is faithful and there is a reason for every miracle you know some miracles will not happen but when it happens you know there is a purpose there is a reason And you have to really, 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 really get it. You know, the ten lepers, only one got it. <laughs> only one got it. The rest said, Ha it's time for party. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't showing themselves. I do not know what they did, but <laughs> I'm sure they did something that was for themselves. Amen. But the one wise one turns and runs back and falls on his knees and says, Lord, thank you for saving me. <laughs> yeah. So, God wants all of us here to be um, part of the work that he wants to accomplish here. Each one of us to be part of the work 
you know. When it comes to church, church business, for lack of better words, people are always, not you guys, I know there are some people out there who are always looking for a better church, looking for a better pastor, looking for a better congregation, looking for things in the physical. But they forget that those things are unattainable, they are not spiritual, they are not part of the mission. We must reverse that thought. We say, okay, Lord, you brought me here to, to be part of this body at such a time as this. What do you have for me to do? Show me the part I have to play. Is it cleaning this place? Thank you, Lord. I'll do that without any um, complaints. Is it praying? Every week praying for this church, praying for the pastor. I'll do that faithfully. Or is it contributing with my gifts that I may have? Maybe I sing well. Maybe I can play in the band. Maybe I am blessed financially. What is the part you want me to play? It reminds me of, uh, of something that Kennedy, your president, said years back. It reminds me of something similar he said, uh, that um, do not look for what this country will do for you, but what can you do for this country, for what the government would something like that. Then he mentioned something that caught really my attention, that the rest of the world don't think about what America will do for you, but what you can do, what you can contribute for, for the peace of the rest of the world. And I may have changed these words. But <clears throat> that is a good attitude. That's a good attitude, which I know most of you here have it. Otherwise... We wouldn't be here. <laughs> but the rest of us, let's do it even more. Let's do it more. Lord, I'm willing to give whatever it is that you want me to give faithfully. And I really commend people here, people like Davey and Christy and Stanley and um, Mike and, and, and Kim and his family and my, my, my good friend there, Jim, and I'm not running out of names. <laughs> but I did pretty good getting all those names within a short time. For all that you have been doing to give to this body, the Lord will reward you for that. And do more. Amen? Do more. And together we will see our church body, a loving place, you know, a place you look forward to, wonderful fellowship, a supportive family that embrace everyone and love them for who they are. I want to come back here and find joy and love and peace flowing here, people coming and numbers being added daily because people look, they see. 
So what is happening there? Those people are loving one another. Oh, let's also go there. That's what happens in the early church. They were in one accord. They shared in common. They embraced one another. It wasn't the power and the slaying and the laying, hand of, laying on of hands. No. It wasn't the healing. It was just the healing that comes from love. It comes from sharing. That the people around began to marvel. They're like, oh, there is love over there. And people will come here, I must end with this, not because of any demonstration of power here. They will not come here because of theological excellency here. They will not come here because of uh, the beauty of this place. They will come here because they can find love and acceptance and fellowship. Let's pray. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you, Heavenly Father. You who know us by our names. You who watches over us, each one of us, in the silence. How reassuring that you, O oh God, has taken care of everything. How reassuring is it to my brothers and sisters seated here that God knows what is going on and that he is prepared to do a new thing and that he has better plans and that he is able. Thank you, Lord. We continue to trust you. We continue to give ourselves to your mission. Your will be done. Your will be done, Lord, in this church, even with the new pastor coming. Your will be done, dear Lord. Remove out of the way the interferences that come from our human weaknesses. Remove those, Lord, even interference from the dark world. Satan and his demons don't want to see progress. But I pray that you will lock them out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless this church. Bless everyone, part of the body, and those who are yet to join here. Lord, let your altar in this place continue burning with sacrifices of humility, sacrifice of obedience. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. <laughs>